Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Genesis chapter 3. I know we were there last week, but we're going to focus in on a few verses this week. We have an infection, and it's not coronavirus. We all have it, and it's what Jane read about. Uh, one, through one man, sin entered the world, and it spread to all men and women. We have an infection. It is our sin nature. We were all born into this broken world with a sin nature, and we all love to sin. We, we love it from the day we're born. From the day that, that we're able to, you know, disobey our parents whenever they say, eat this, and you say, no. <laughs> you know, we, 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 yes, I know, that was what I did with green beans. So <laughs> but no, we, we have an infection, and it is, uh, it is deadly, and there is a cure, and his name is Jesus. Um, but it wasn't supposed to be that way. God created the world, as we saw in chapter 1. He created the world. He created the heavens and the earth. He created uh, the, the light and the darkness. He created the, the sky and the waters. He, he separated the waters from, this, from the land. and he, he created all the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and all of the animals. And He created man and woman and placed them in a garden. And it was perfect. It was perfect. It was exactly the way it was supposed to be. He said, it is good. And he created man and woman and he said, it is very good. But something happened and we looked at this last week where Adam and Eve, there in the garden, they were given one command. Do not eat from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Adam and Eve, before the fall, before they had disobeyed this command, they were both naked and unashamed. There was nothing to be ashamed about. No sin, no suspicion, no nothing. They were perfectly in harmony. And as soon as they disobeyed God, their eyes were open, they knew that they were naked, and they hid themselves. And there was this, this uh, shame that entered into the world. And we all experience that too. We all experience shame. We know we've broken God's law. We know we've done wrong things. Things that we don't want anyone else to know about. Last week we looked at the overall passage in chapter 3, but tonight we're going to focus in on verses 14 through 19. And here, what we see in these verses, it has two levels. One, it is the curse that God pronounces upon the serpent and upon the earth that we experience death and sickness and disease and all of these things because of this curse. But it is also the beginning of the promise 
of salvation. It is also the beginning of the promise of a Redeemer who would come. So let's look at Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between you, your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for you were taken for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you diagnose our condition, that you point out the sin in our lives, that we might throw ourselves on your mercy. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for the promise of a Savior. We thank you that Jesus came to crush the serpent's head. And Lord, we pray now that as we hear your word, Lord, your word would protect us from every dart from the evil one. That your word would open our eyes that we might see you as good and glorious. Father, we love you. I pray that you would be with me, give me strength, and give me grace to preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. In the verses before the ones we're looking at tonight, when God came to the couple and asked them, um, where are you first? And, and, and how did you know you were naked? He, he first addresses Adam. He says to Adam, you know, where are you? Adam says, I was afraid because I heard the sound of you in the garden and I, I was naked, so I hid myself. And God asked, how did you know that you were naked? Did you eat of that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the one that I told you not to eat of? And Adam says, remember, it was her fault. <laughs> it was her fault. <laughs> that woman you gave me. So he blames God too. And so he goes from Adam to the woman and he says, to Eve, you know, did you eat of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? What does she do? She says, it was the serpent. It was the serpent. Now, we then pick up with a reverse order here. He be, we had gone Adam, Eve, the serpent. Now, we're picking up here, and God proclaims this curse beginning with the serpent. 
He says, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock above uh, and above all the beasts of the field and above all the, um, and on your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Now, some have looked at this and thought, well, this is the origin of how snakes uh, have to crawl on their belly. Uh, as if, as if the idea is, the, the theory is that at one time snakes may have had four legs or had legs. And, and uh, after, um, after the fall, after, God, uh, after the serpent tempted Eve and God pronounced this cur- curse, that uh, snakes were then to, to crawl around on their belly. I, I don't know. That, that's, the text does not tell us that. It just tells us that the snake is that the serpent is cursed, and that uh, he is to crawl around on his belly and eat dust, which is a kind of a it's a it's a it's an insulting type of thing. Who wants to eat dirt, you know? Um, but then, what's really what we really need to have our attention on is what comes next. Verse fifteen says, "I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring." Okay, he's speaking to the serpent. He's speaking to the serpent and he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's going to make them enemies. Now, now who is this serpent? Who is this serpent of old? We, we, we come upon this, this narrative and all, all it does is it calls him the serpent. And, and some scholars have, have, have said, well, it was just a, just a serpent, just a snake. Um, the, the, the Christians are reading into this uh, that, uh, that, it's, um, that it's the devil. But I don't know about that. We look at Revelation, and in Revelation chapter 11, it tells us about the serpent who is Satan, the serpent of old who is Satan. I think uh, if we believe that the Bible is a unified message, uh, that it's one author, uh, one divine author, many human authors, then, um, then I believe this was Satan himself that was there in the garden taking on the form of this serpent. And um, God is telling the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman. And then he goes on, and between your offspring and her offspring. Now, if you've got a footnote in your Bible, uh, you might look to see, and that word there can also be translated seed. I will put enmity between your seed and her seed. And we've got to notice something about this. This is singular. You know, it's singular. It's talking about a particular seed, an individual seed. Why do I make a big deal out of this? Well, because Paul makes a big deal out of it. If we look at Galatians, and most of the time I just stick in one text the whole evening, but tonight I'm going to flip around just a little bit. In Galatians, chapter 2, I'm sorry, chapter 3, and in verse um, 16, Now, the promises were made to Abraham and his offspring. 
It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to the many, but referring to one, and your offspring, who is Christ. Now, Paul is pointing back to Abraham and this promise of a seed that was to come from Abraham, but the seed promise did not begin just with Abraham. Uh, Paul was speaking specifically about Abraham, but we can see this uh, playing itself out from this very beginning in Genesis 3 on through. You, you see, we'll see the same ideas when we look at Cain and Abel. We'll see the same ideas when we get to Noah. We'll see the same ideas at, uh, at um, uh, Abraham uh, and his descendants. And we'll see the same idea when we get to the end of the book of Genesis and there's Judah. And there's a promise that the scepter will not depart from Judah. There is, there's an individual that the, the Bible is saying will come. A seed of the woman, a descendant of Eve who will come, who will crush the serpent's head. It says, I will put enmity between your, you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is what's the... the the Bible is telling us is going to happen with this descendant of the woman. He's going to come and he will bruise the serpent's head. Now the word there, I, I think it's the same word for both that he's using of the serpent and of, and of that seed of the woman. It's the same word, but it has a bigger range of meaning. I, I think maybe the idea here is that it should be like a pun. Um, so... In, in, the, in the original language, it, it was the same word that was used, but I, I think we could understand it. He shall crush your head and you shall bruise his heel. That, that range of meaning is there within, within that word. So we're looking forward to a time from Genesis chapter 3 that there will come one who is a descendant of Eve who will come and he will defeat Satan. He will defeat Satan. He will defeat that ancient serpent of old, the devil. This is a fabulous promise. This is uh, what some have called the first announcement of the gospel within the Bible. I believe that, that throughout the entire unfolding of the Old Testament, they keep going back to this promise, this promise over and over again. You see it in the promises to David, when David is promised that he would have a descendant who would sit on his throne forever. There would be no end to his kingdom. And we see it in the very beginning of Matthew chapter 1, when we first open up the New Testament, and it tells us that it opens with a genealogy that connects Adam all the way down to Jesus Christ, who was the son of David. The seed of the woman that would come and crush the serpent's head is the basis for the messianic hope throughout the entire Old Testament that we see fully revealed in Jesus Christ. Now, we're moving on. Verse 16 he goes from this curse that he pronounces upon the serpent, and he says, to the woman, he said, I will surely put enmity, put, I'm sorry, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. 
Notice what he doesn't say. We saw the words in to the serpent. He says, cursed are you, right? Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock. He doesn't say that to the woman. He doesn't curse the woman. Instead, he talks about the consequences that will come about as the result of her eating of the fruit. But he does not use those words, cursed are you. Instead, he says, I, um, he says, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. And ladies who've had children, you understand this, don't you? Better than any of us men. <laughs> you understand this. The pain that is multiplied in childbirth. Who, who can imagine what it must have been like in God's original design for, for Adam and Eve in that perfect garden for a woman to be able to bear children without any pain, without any sorrow, without any danger of death, without any of those things that we see in our experience today. But as a result of the fall, this becomes a, a multiplication of pain and toil that it was not supposed to be. But then he follows that up and he says, and um, I'm sorry, in pain you shall bring forth children. That second line there, in pain you shall bring forth children. I want us to think about the second half of that. You will bring forth children. What was supposed to happen whenever they took over the fruit? She was supposed to die. They were supposed to die. And yet, even in this statement about the consequences of the fall, there is a promise for salvation. You will bring forth children. He's, it's connected to what he said to the serpent. There will be a descendant of Eve who will come and crush the serpent's head. And here she, he's telling the woman, you will bring forth children. It will be painful. You, you, will, you will suffer, but you will bring forth children. And one of those descendants will one day be the Messiah, Jesus. Then he says, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. I believe these are, again, consequences of the fall. They are, um, th this is a distortion of the way that it should be. Now, um, God did create man and woman for there to be a, a, a relationship where the man was to protect and provide for his wife. There, there was a relationship even there in the garden where out of creation, God had ordained the, the, the headship of a husband. But it was perfect at the time. There was no abuse. There was no, there was no, um, uh, there was no hint of any of that. It was supposed to be perfect harmony there. But because of the fall, there is a distortion of the relationship between men and women. And so you have maybe women who try to supplant their husbands, try to, to, um, uh, to take over that authority that God has given them in the home. And on the other hand, you end up having men who then uh, abuse their position of authority and abuse their wives, maybe physically, maybe verbally, in all different kinds of ways. And this is all a distortion that was not intended to be. This is, uh, this is all a, 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 a consequence of the fall. The battle of the sexes. 
You can just, you can just hear uh, Eve then singing, I can do anything, you can do better. No, you can't. Yes, I can. <laughs> it was not meant to be that way. It was meant to be perfect harmony between man and woman. And because of the fall, there was a distortion that was brought into that. And it doesn't just affect the relationships between man and woman, but it also affects our conception of gender. And we look at a society today, and as a consequence of the fall, as a consequence of what we read right here, you have men believing they should be women. And you have women believing they should be men. And you have all manner of distortion from God's created order. And it ought not to be so. Jesus came to be the remedy for that. Verse 17. We move from the serpent to the woman and now to Adam. To Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat of the plants of the field. Here again, what do we not see? In the first part, God said to the serpent, Cursed are you! He doesn't say that to the woman, and he doesn't say that to the man. Instead, he says, the ground is cursed because of the man. God did not curse Adam and Eve. He did not curse uh, man and woman. Instead, he cursed the ground, and we live with those consequences. He, he made it so, well, in the garden, whenever everything was perfect and everything was harmonious, the trees just produced the fruit that they were to eat, and they could just come and pick at any pick off of any tree in the garden except for that one and eat it, and they would be satisfied. But because of the fall, no longer did the, did the trees just produce anything that they could eat. But the man was sent out and the ground was cursed and it produced thorns and thistles. You try to go out and plant your crops and instead you've got all kinds of weeds coming up there with them. Right, Jim? <laughs> You got all kinds of weeds coming up there with them. You've got you you go out and you plant your beans, and then you've got to go out and and uh, with with some kind of a hook and and uh, get rid of all the morning glories and things that are growing, and all the vines that are growing inside your field, right? Get rid of those weeds. Thorns and thistles would come up. The ground itself seemed to conspire against us as we try to grow our food. And it says in pain, and by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. It's going to be a laborious task. It's going to be pain and toil, not the way it was intended to be. And he says this will last until you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. God reminds Adam, I made you from dust. Took the clay from the ground, took the dust of the earth together into a, a man, breathed life into his nostrils, and he became a living soul. And God says, because of 
what he has done because of disobedience to God, he's going to be returned to the very dust that he was made from. And that's all of our experiences as well. If the, if, if the Lord doesn't return before we die, every one of us is going to go in a box. Maybe we'll be cremated. We'll be, it'll be the microwave version. <laughs> and if we're not cremated, we'll, be, we'll go into a, into a uh, casket. We'll be put into the ground. And after years, all that's going to be left is dust. These are the consequences of the fall. We live in a world with sickness, with pain, with disease, with death. We live in a world that has distorted relationships, distortions uh, when it comes to the relationships between men and women. We, we, we live in a world that is broken. And yet in the midst of that, there is a promise. The promise that Jesus would come and He would crush the serpent's head. In um, Romans chapter 16, towards the end, before I go there, I'm going to say something else. Um, Jesus came, what's what the whole Old Testament was pointing towards, and it was, it was all pointing towards that based on the promise that was given there in Genesis chapter 3. He finally came and He lived a perfect sinless life where Adam failed in his temptation, Jesus succeeded. He never sinned his entire life. And yet, while He was innocent, He died. We all deserve to die because of our sin. And yet, Jesus, the innocent one, died in our place. He, he took our punishment for us upon the cross. He was nailed to a cross and He was buried, experiencing death, and yet He did not stay there. But He defeated Satan. He crushed the serpent's head and He rose from the dead. And all those who trust in Him can have eternal life. Those who look to Him, throwing ourselves on His mercy, confessing our sin, repenting of it, turning away from the life we used to live, and throwing ourselves on the mercy of Jesus. Counting, God counting His death as payment for our sins. And for the believer, God says, in Romans 16, verse 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. We live in a world that is broken still. We live in a world with coronavirus and the flu, influenza A and influenza B, okay? We've got all kinds of disease, all kinds of sickness, all kinds of things that affect our, our bodies just break down, and yet we have this promise. When we're looking to Jesus, we can look forward to the fact that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under our feet. 
We can get discouraged. We can get worried when we look around the world. But we have a promise. The devil is defeated. And as we take this Gospel to this community, to this state, to this nation, to this world, we are stomping over the devil. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.